Welcome to episode 44 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This episode, we got to sit down with Geraldo Thorlifson. He's the founder of Wayno Design Agency. He's done some incredible stuff. He's built Google Santa Tracker back in the day. He's worked for some incredible, incredible clients. We were super excited to talk to him. He's one of the hardest working people in the business. And it, it shows. He's a beast. He's it, so good. It was a great show. We actually recorded it uh, over at the Obvious offices, which is where he works. You'll probably hear some difference in sounds, just because it doesn't sound like a kitchen. Yeah, not the normal spot, uh, but we had a great recording. If you enjoy this show, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Also, in other big news, we recently launched our podcast network. We teamed up with Developer T to create Spec. Uh, you can go to Spec.fm. That's our new website. It's a podcast network and content site that we want to use to help designers and developers everywhere uh, essentially level up with skills in their career. Uh, So right now it's just the two shows, but we're adding more content, working on more shows. So if you want to check that out, go to spec.fm. We're not just saying we're working on more shows either. We Uh, we we have bought equipment. We we are are, recording. We are actually recording right now. Uh, You'll hear more about those pretty soon. And we're also on Twitter at uh, specfm is our Twitter handle. Before we get into episode 44, huge thank you to the two sponsors that made this show possible. First, Icon Finder, our Copen homies from across the Atlantic. They are the largest source of premium icons on the web. They have over 568,623 icons. Are you reading up their website? Yes. Because they you actually did your have 568,624 icons as of this read and they're adding thousands more every single month if you need an icon for your design project go to iconfinder.com search for it and they will come back with all different styles it's going to work in every design format uh every program you might be using whether that's sketch photoshop and they have an amazing service called icon finder pro it starts at just nine bucks a month which gives you access to 25 icon downloads a month or you can sign up for Icon Finder Unlimited. Unlimited. Which, uh, I guess, if you can't tell, it gives you access to unlimited downloads. And our favorite thing about Icon Finder, or I should say one of our favorite things, is that 70% of this monthly payment goes back out to the original designers of the icons. My so, favorite part is that they get half off if they use the code ROBOT. I'm getting to that. Just hold on, Bryn. Uh if you support Icon Finder, not only are you supporting this show, Design Details, if you go to IconFinder.com, sign up for Icon Finder Pro, and use the promo code ROBOT, that will tell them that we sent you, and it will get you 50% off your first month of Icon Finder Pro. Huge thanks to Icon Finder for supporting Design Details. Our second sponsor, Dropbox. Our favorites. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? They're all our favorites, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> Dropbox is awesome. They're they've been super supportive. All they want to do is like make the community happy, and they're doing so by building us the best tools that we could possibly have. Brian and I don't work in like GitHub or something. We're not developers. We don't have room on hard drives these days. Dropbox gives us more room than our hard drive even allows. It's fantastic. So all of our logic files, all of your design files, your sketch files, your PSDs, whatever, put them in Dropbox they sync you get version control you you can send them instantly with a web viewer you can get comments on them directly on the file you can request files from people without them even having accounts now you can do insane things with dropbox it's really really awesome we love it 
they have the perfect like invisible design where it just kind of like is out of your way and it just works right it's fantastic if you're not using dropbox at least to back up your files go to dropbox.com and sign up if your computer gets destroyed your files are safe and synced across all of your devices it's a free service that will save your life if anything ever happens. Literally to save your life. Literally, it will save come after your life. you with a life preserver ring and, and get yes. But beyond that, as a tool for designers, they're doing some amazing work, building great tools that we use every single day, and supporting shows like this to help make the design community better. So thank you so much to Dropbox. And with that, let's get into episode forty-four with Haraldur Thorlifson. So we start every show. With what are you working on right now? Okay, that's a good question. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on um, a few different things. Um, we're doing um, the web version of an app called Timeline, which is uh, an app that gives you context behind the news. That's kind of wrapping up soonish, I think. Um, so hopefully that will launch within the next month or so. We're doing some work with Facebook um, that is... Um, sort of in production, so I can't talk to that, talk about that too much. Makes sense, <laughs> as usual. Yep. Working with uh, Red Bull on, um, they have a product called Red Bull TV. So Red Bull produces a lot of amazing content, mm-hmm. and um, Red Bull TV is like a media property that they own, that they uh, where they distribute uh, all that content. So video exclusively pretty crazy stuff as you can imagine we've been working with lonely planet for a while mm-hmm. on um redesigning their dot com um started off with just being designed but now we're doing most of the front-end development or a lot of the front-end development uh, i'd say a couple of dropbox things going on we're working with a company called articulate which is based in, uh, well, it's, it's not really based anywhere. It's a distributed company where they have about 200 employees all around the world. Wow. Um, by their estimates, they're the largest distributed company in the U.S. Oh, wow. Uh, but, and they do, they build software, sort of e-learning software, and we're doing some product design for them and, and some marketing. Designing an app called Carbon, which is um, in... I don't know if you know an app called Lux. It's uh, yep. sort of... Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Where you can uh, park your car. They'll basically do that for you. So Carbon is in a similar space, but going to be uh, a lot nicer looking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Those are uh, throwing some shade at, uh, at Dan Petty and Mackie Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, a bit. <laughs> uh, They're still going to let you come to Epic Currents after that? <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see after this interview, but <laughs> uh, we've been joking around a little bit about that. I, I know what they're doing, but yeah. uh, I've been working for a while with Reuters mm-hmm. on an app called Reuters TV. Awesome. I have used that and Timeline. So Reuters TV launched on iPhone in like six months ago. We mm-hmm. did an iPad version, um, and it's in sort of a continual, like any product, it's just it's live, so we're changing it and improving it, hopefully. Uh, we're doing the web stuff and then they're kind of moving to more platforms so consoles and stuff <laughs> that's a lot of projects um I'm still going yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, i can keep going <laughs> the list is like uh yeah there's like six seven left should i go on yeah yeah go for it. Let's so i'm all. just you know just so you know i'm reading this off a list because i i can never remember what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> um 
we're working with uh, Google on a couple of projects. One, and uh, well, yeah, I probably couldn't say much about that. <laughs> um, building a uh, an email desktop. Uh, well, starting off with um, web, but moving on to desktop soon. Uh, email client uh, called Superhuman. We're starting up uh, a project with Nike. Awesome. We're doing. Uh, some branding work for a, a, a Chinese company that is, and, and some product design for a Chinese company that wants, wants to build like productivity software, um, sort of business productivity software. Mm-hmm. And um, a company called DataKit, uh, that's the prototype name, but they're, I think they want to rename that. They want to be a company that, uh, where you as a, as a person can own your data. So instead of farming all that off to big companies like Google or Apple or whoever, you can take control of your own data. That's awesome. Um, and then you can decide who, who gets access. Okay. So that is a lot of projects that's, and that's a lot a of huge list. What's your involvement and in like how do you split your time between all these different things? Um, so we've been gr- growing quite rapidly. Um, I did have a lot more hands-on. Uh, with these projects in the last year or two. But as we've been growing, um, especially in the last few months, I haven't been actively taking on that kind of a role in new projects um, and more sort of helping out or overseeing in more of a creative director role. Okay. Because we've been getting in really talented people and it's just there's no need for me to be involved. <laughs> yeah. uh, they just, yeah, they blow me away. Just for some context, could you share a little bit about the background of Wayno and how you kind of got involved and worked on that and grew that? Yeah, we started um, started about a year and a half ago, early 2014. What? <laughs> Dude. That's pretty that's insane. A pretty solid year and a half. Wow. It was based on, uh, so I'd been freelancing for like seven years. And I had built up a pretty tight network of both clients and people um, to work with. So the projects that I was working on were getting bigger and bigger. Um, it was a lot of Google work, but also mm-hmm. we were getting in different clients and uh, and yeah, basically bigger projects. So we decided that it made sense to build something more formal uh, and and start this as a uh, an agency rather than because it was getting hard for me also to discuss with new clients about what this actually was because even though it was done under my name at that point, like there would be maybe fifteen, ten, fifteen people on a project. Okay, so it felt weird. Yeah, so it just changed the name to Wayno and kept the same team and just started rolling it more as an agency. Yeah, well, we did hire a few of the people that we were uh, I was working with. Some of them had other jobs and some of them I tried to hire and then they 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 wanted to do their own thing, but yeah, so based it on the team that we had originally but been growing more and more into like the team that we had was pretty much most of it in Iceland. Mhm. Uh, and then I had a pretty good network of freelance people that are, were all around the world that we were bringing in. And most of the people now are in the U.S. Awesome. So when did you come from? I, you were in Iceland doing all the freelance work and then you came here, right? Yeah. So how long have you been in the States then? Well, well, actually, that's not totally true. I was, we, were, we were traveling for about three years. Me and my wife, we have a three-year-old daughter. So when she was like three months old, we moved to Tokyo. Uh, and we did that for about two two, three years where we moved from city to city. And then we moved here officially in January this year. What was that like doing the traveling and working? Oh, that was especially with a kid. <laughs> that was, that was a lot of fun. I would recommend, like, I think now with things like Airbnb, 
it's really, really easy to do something like that. So you can just move. So we just lived in Airbnbs for like three years. And you had Airbnb as a client as well? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. uh, well, actually, that came about just as I was stopped. Yes, just as I stopped traveling. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but I did have a lot of uh, understanding of the product once they, once they came knocking. So what made you settle down in San Francisco when you were done traveling? Uh, mostly the clients. So we have a pretty tech-heavy client base. You have a phenomenal client base. <laughs> That's pretty it's really impressive. And they, they're pretty much all here. Okay. I would say 80% of our clients are here. So it didn't really make any sense. Obviously not to settle in Iceland, but I also, I used to live in New York, so I was wondering about going there. But San Francisco is almost like, can't really escape. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in tech, you have to come here for at least a year, I think. Sure. Everybody does that. <laughs> but you're still bouncing back to Iceland occasionally, right? You're going there in August? Uh, yeah, we're going back in August. We go, I don't know, two, two three times a year, okay. something like that. So I think we have a lot of freelancers that listen to the show. Can you just give maybe a little bit of advice on how you even ramped up to getting this level of client, like the mediums and the Googles of the world, uh, getting to do work for them? Um, I think it's for a bigger client. They usually just want to see another bigger client. Uh, so it's almost like a catch-22. Right. Um, so you just have to get your foot in the door. Um, How did you do it? So I was I, I lived in New York in 2006. I was working for an agency called Cuban Council, which was uh, a small boutique agency. But they had a lot of really big clients. And I was there for about a year. And then after I, I left or after they fired me, I went back to Iceland and... One of the guys that was there, he started up his, his own agency, and I started working with him. There was a small shop here in, in San Francisco at that time. It's called Upper Quad now. It's getting bigger and bigger. Really awesome people. And they um, would let me work on some Google stuff with them. Um, and from there, it kind of grew. Like, like I said, once you have something like that in a portfolio, a big client will be com- more comfortable with was that like this, working with you. Was that like the Santa Tracker stuff? Yeah. Okay. So we did, I mean, that was kind of the tail end. Uh, but leading up to that, we did a lot of different projects. Santa Tracker was definitely the bigger one. And that's the one that kind of kind of inspired me to say, okay, I, I could pr- probably start something on my own. Because of that, we put that team together for that project. And it was massive. And it was like, uh, it actually launched <laughs> on time and it worked. <laughs> so And that was pretty impressive. And I was, I, I kind of impressed myself. Or I didn't really... I had never done it at that scale before. Okay. Because the, the, the team was in like five continents. And, wow. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but also a lot of insanity. So I'm always curious to hear from the, both the freelance and agency perspective, when big companies come to you, like why would they choose to go with you guys instead of doing something in-house, like the Santa Tracker as a freelance agency setup versus just having their own designers do it? Um, I think uh, it's usually just a resource thing where either they don't have like they might have the people the right people but they don't have the time or mm-hmm. they might not have the right people or the time so um most companies tend to want to own their own products mm. that's actually what surprised me the most now in the last since we started because like my background is much more in like um communication design um so you'd say like Something like even Santa Tracker could be called like that kind of a project. Mm-hmm. But in the last year and a half, most of the work we've been doing has been in product design for these companies. And they I think they're just understaffed. Well, really boils down to that. They Everybody is growing so fast. They have a hard time keeping up. So they just bring somebody in to help out. Could you envision yourself ever going to a big company like that? Like I know some 
agencies lately have been getting getting acquired, swallowed. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm pretty content. Yeah, uh, I think we 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 get the best of both worlds where we work on these projects, um, but we also, I mean, it's pretty amazing to bounce um, to be able to work like one day on say a big project for somebody like Red Bull and then maybe next day we're working with Medium or somebody else and it's you know it's very hard to match that with any any other company I, I can't really see how they would that can't would get work. boring yeah <laughs> that's awesome what are uh, what are some of your favorite projects that you worked on I think Santa Tracker really stands out for me just like I said before like it's it was kind of proved a lot to myself with that project um, the fact that I could assemble that team and launch it on time and it was a pretty big success, both internally at Google and then outward. Um, yeah, my uh, my old boss told me about it at the time. Her kids were like in love with it, and uh, I I was just getting into design. I had no clue who you were at the time. I, <laughs> I discovered that, and then later I found you through the Net Awards right. and went back to your portfolio site, which is what you won for. Right. And there I found it. I was like, okay, putting the dots together. Yes, your case studies are gorgeous so and unbelievable and they must i imagine drive so much traffic and interest to both you and wayno and and your services right yeah they well they haven't been updated now in like three years or something so right i mean they're a lot of work but yeah they i mean that's definitely that helped a lot um that was an investment that was worth it i keep telling every designer like i know nobody has the time to work on their own stuff and i delayed it for like years but i wish i would have done it sooner mm-hmm and doing self-promotion promotion really pays out. And not not in the sense, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not talking about just money, but I'm talking about, like, the types of projects you get in, being able to select your own projects, um, like, filter through rather than just accepting anything that comes in the door. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you found that now that your, your projects are shifting more towards, like, a product design focus, have there been new challenges there? Or how do you approach that project different than, say, like, a communications piece or something like Santa Tracker? I think the main difference is just the the longevity of the project. Like a product will take a lot longer than uh, a communication design. That's good and bad. So you can you can work on a product for a long time. Like we've been working with Reuters for like a year and a half, and it's a lot of fun to sort of being able to grow with that project. But we didn't launch it though, and like it was a year in before we launched it. Whereas most communication design projects are maybe like a year, no, sorry, like a month or two, something like that. And so it's much more instant gratification of like, hey, look at this thing. Whereas you kind of, you know, you have your ups and downs on, on, a, on a product design project where you kind of, you hate it for a while and then you love it again <laughs> and then you come back. Like, it's like, it's much more like an actual relationship. It's like the in-house cycle. Yeah. <laughs> you love it, you hate it. You love it, you hate it. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I think the most fun, though, is when you can almost combine them. So you can figure out a way to systematically design something so it looks not like a product. So, it, so you design it so it feels unique and not you sort of have to peel away uh, the, the system of it before you sort of, you don't automatically see, oh, yeah, it's this, this kind of system. You kind of figure out a way to sort of hack, hack around it so it feels much more unique and, and uh the layouts aren't, you know, so structured that it becomes obvious what the structure is. Right. Yeah, I was curious as if as an agency you had, like, pre-built assets or templates or systems for designing new projects. Like, you get a new project and you automatically have, like, here's here's how we're going to write CSS, here's how we're going to write JavaScript, here's how we're going to structure components, things like that. 
Uh, no, everything is is unique. I think our clients would really appreciate that because we don't get that, those kind of clients. Most of our clients tend to want to build it from scratch um, unless you're working with, well, depends on the system, obviously. If you're working with Google, they, they have their own pre-built things. But no, we don't really have any preconceived conceptions when we walk into a project. We do have, the only thing that I would say is if it is a website and it is a marketing site, I have a grid that I typically start with. But that's about it. What kind of grid? Uh, it's just a 12-column grid uh, that I made myself sometime okay. when I needed, like a few years ago when I need, needed something. I feel like your landing page design is very recognizable. Yeah. At least going through Dribble and stuff, like I always see your pieces. I'm like, all right, that's Hallie. Yeah, I think, well, and I think that might be, like I might need to switch up my grid. Just <laughs> <laughs> start doing <laughs> something new. Uh, because you definitely fall into like habits. Which again, it's good and bad. Kind of you can quickly do something because you know what it is um, when you're comfortable, but you can also just fall into the habit of just repeating yourself. So, yeah. so you mentioned hiding the structure of a product. How do you balance that with uh, keeping the the functionality clear and usable? Right. I mean, that's. I don't think there are any rules like yeah. to do these three things and then you accomplish that, but. Um, <laughs> mostly experience like i think starting off with like the functionality and then um applying like the the coat of paint okay makes a lot of sense because then hopefully you'll have underneath it all you have the structure and it and it works at that level mm-hmm. and then you kind of find fun little ways of hacking it so it doesn't feel boxy and I mean, at the end of the day it's all boxes <laughs> uh, and so you just need to you know make it not look like boxes yeah, I, I would love to n- learn more about that because we had a good chat with Noah Stokes and his one gripe was that the web is seriously just becoming a series of boxes. And right. text over photos. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and there's a reason for that. I, I've i been going back and forth on this. I don't really think that every website should be unique. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think there's a lot of benefit um, to having things componentized and being things being recognizable and, oh, this is this kind of thing. Uh, and you know how it works because you've seen it before. Uh, obviously, you need to balance that with being a brand. So you want to be like you want to be remembered for something. But mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of designers that you know want to make every single project unique. Uh, there are you know places for that, but I don't think everything needs to be. Um, the responsiveness has kind of driven us all into a direction of squares. Yeah, <laughs> like you have to have everything work uh, across devices, and the easiest way to do that is move this box onto this box when it becomes too small to have both boxes side by side. Are you happy with that direction or do you wish the web was still maybe retaining some of it, the quirkiness? I mean, you're certainly doing a lot of stuff with like photos, breaking the grid and, and things like that um, in um, terms of the broader web. Like I said, there's a lot of designers that kind of are fighting against it. I am not really one of those. I, I think this, there's, we don't have to every time we design something uh, invent the wheel. And not everything needs to be, uh, I mean, if it works, that's usually enough. Like, I, I wish, like, when, when a lot of the, the people I talk to, especially, I mean, you've all, like, all designers have this, like, people in your family come to talk to you and you say, hey, can you design a website? And it's like, well, <laughs> just use Squarespace. Yeah. Uh, I wish yep. just more people would do that. Um, being serious, though. Like, if you have a budget that's under an X amount of dollars, probably shouldn't be building it from scratch. Yeah. Absolutely. So there are just systems out there that you just use them and 
They're perfectly fine. I point all friends and family to Squarespace or when uh when Sarah and I were running our own little studio back in Minneapolis, all we would do is like if someone had a really low budget, we'd be like, "Okay, we'll help you make like a custom Squarespace theme." Because yeah. most of it was done, yeah. But, and they wanted something a little unique, at least. That was about it. Yeah, you can put some. Then you can put some. If you have some money, please put it into the asset creation. Yeah, you know, make some beautiful photography or something, uh, and stand out that way. You don't have to build everything from scratch if you're a small small company or an individual. Agreed. How's um? You mentioned you've transitioned though more from the creating pixel pushing side to creative direction. Right. What's that transition been like? Um, I'm fairly new into that because the problem that I have uh, have had was just that I, I was working on pretty much everything. Um, but now I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. But it's only been like, although it feels like years, it's only been like a month or two where we had have had actual other people work on things. I mean, you just said it here in January. It hasn't been long <laughs> yeah. at all. That's crazy. Uh, and the first employees only started like two months ago. Uh, wow. In, in SF, that is. Okay. So, uh, so you started Wayno, right? Yeah. Where, where did the name come from? Um, it, it's a neighborhood in Tokyo where I used to live. But I was li- and then I was living in, in, in Buenos Aires. And they, in Spanish, there's the word Bueno. Mm. And I just thought, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, like, I like that, but maybe we can just use the Bueno part of it and that tied into Tokyo. And there's this amazing park there that I used to go to that was just beautiful, uh, filled with a lot of creativity and um, a bunch of museums. And so I thought, yeah, that's a good thing. But I realized nobody knew how to pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, it's a fun little mystery. Yeah, and but it, it is, it's good because people then ask. So you get to sort of, I mean, I've told this story like a million times now. Um, and um, you can, it's like a branding thing. You can attach some positive emotions to your brand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's where it came from. I also just always liked these like four letter brands like Lego or I mean that reminds me a little bit of um like some Scandinavian like IKEA there's some something about like a four letter totally name like that that really Bryn no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. there's a there's a game called Uno as well yeah yeah um so there's it's, it had a lot of positive connections to me for me how do you feel like working around the world Buenos Aires and Tokyo uh has like impacted the way you design I don't think it has. I could give you like a really? bullshit answer, but uh, <laughs> I like because I made up one answer once, and it was kind of uh, the answer I came up with was like you know when you're like a foreigner, a design means a lot because you don't really understand the language, so you see something and it has to you have to understand it like as you see it, uh, not because it's explained or there's a uh, some caption on it or something. It just actually needs to look like what you and do what you expect to do do based on what it looks like um that applied a little bit in like tokyo because things aren't really marked in english or anything or any kind of uh, way that you would understand but like i said it's kind of a bullshit answer because i don't think really uh it impacted me in that way although there's something to it no that's fair enough i just i feel like there's this huge movement right now towards like nomadic designing and nomadic developing that we have the flexibility to live anywhere and do it yeah so should you uh, yeah absolutely well I, I think you absolutely should but it did just it didn't really impact me in that way okay 
I think it didn't really have an impact on how I designed that I'm aware of. I mean, obviously everything in your life impacts you in some way, but I, there's nothing I, that in what I do that I said, oh yeah, that's because I was moving around. <laughs> oh yeah, that looks like Buenos Aires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's totally fair. Um, so then even before you were freelancing, like how did you get started as a designer? Because you're obviously very, very good. I'm curious how this whole journey began. Well, it started off, I went to engineering for like three days. <laughs> and I was, alre- I was already uh-huh. like two weeks behind. Um, and I thought, well, this is the kind of work. My friend of mine was studying philosophy, so I did that. And then I thought, well, this isn't super practical. So I went into uh, like finance and uh, I finished those degrees and I thought, well, what am I going to do now? So um, <laughs> crazy. I, I went to study uh, uh, like a master's in economics. And I didn't really... Well, and during that time, I, I was I was studying. I studied in, in Iceland, and I thought um, I needed some way to make a living. So I was designing first through. Um, started off in Flash, and then didn't really have anybody giving me good designs to animate. So I would design the stuff myself uh, because the designers I worked with were kind of lazy and weren't <laughs> delivering on time. So I just thought, oh, I'll just do this myself, uh, and then. Slowly, I moved into design more and more. Um, but it's, I think it's just the 10,000-hour principle. It's like, do it enough. and That you are completely self-taught then? Yeah. What do you think was the most helpful? I mean, of course, the 10,000 hours. But were there like mentors or other people that were really inspiring you to, to learn and sort of hone your style? I mean, there were definitely good people uh, that I've worked with. But nobody that I kind of wanted to emulate in really? that in that sense, I wouldn't do it again the same way. So it took t- it takes like ten thousand hours is a lot of <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, yeah. So I would definitely recommend people seek out uh, like people to work with because I had to yeah. learn a lot of stuff that I could have just piggybacked off somebody else. But you also, if you learn it by yourself, you kind of you know that that is valuable in some ways. It stays ingrained if you had to learn it the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. Go back on back and forth on this because there's a lot of people in our field that don't really have design degrees. Mm-hmm. I do think there's value in a degree, but I just think that because the best of the best don't really go into teaching in this field right now, that you might uh, be better off just going learning journalism or something and then become a designer. Yeah, interesting. Uh, because any reason for journalism, especially? Or just like I mean, some kind of just some storytelling, or or because I think. You can actually solve a lot of design problems with just a better caption. Yeah, uh, copywriting. Yeah. yeah, or, you know, there's this whole designers should code and I think just designers should be able to write. That, that's much more important. That's fair. I totally agree with that. Do you code? No. I, 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 oh, so it's easy from your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, um, what I did was the first design project that I did because I was self-taught. I didn't know what you were supposed to do. Hmm. So this is like, I'm, I'm, I'm very old. So this was a long time you're ago. very old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're that old. <laughs> or as old as you think you are. Uh, well, I'm always always the oldest person in the room. And if you're in San Francisco, everybody's younger than me. <laughs> um, but so I just thought you should design in the browser, which is, became fashionable again a few years later. But at that point, that's not what most people did. So the first thing I designed, I actually designed it in some browser, just hacked together, like copied some code from somebody, 
And I thought, oh, this is amazing. And then I looked at it, looked at it in another browser, and looked like <laughs> crap. And I said, well, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. So I haven't done any coding since then. Do you have any interest in doing that, or is that just not even something um, you feel you need? I don't think I need it. I, I had some interests like a few years ago. I was thinking maybe I should do that more. But at this point, I mean, I know enough to know what can be done, mm-hmm. uh, and that's enough for me. Like I just. If you're surrounded by good people, or you know, if access to good developers, that's that's good enough. You can become a lazy designer if you're developing. Um, I think you can become like just designing for something that you know how to code. Interesting. Rather than just saying, "Well, I don't know," you figure it out. <laughs> um, I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. I think there's value in no- knowing how to develop. I don't know if there's a lot of amazing designers out there that are writing like production code. But I think there's a lot of value in being able to prototype. But even that becomes a little bit overvalued if you just have people around you that can prototype and can probably do it a lot faster than you. So specialism versus generalism. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think there is just so much to being a designer. Like I said, yeah. I was saying, like you need, to, you should be able to know how, how to write. You should be able to know, understand marketing. You need to be able to like. Uh, work with the client like there's so many things you could you need to sort of take off before you become like really efficient at designing i don't know if taking on a whole other profession uh makes it any easier totally reasonable yeah i think that's true uh, nothing against designers who code but i don't think not every designer should well i enjoy hearing that because needs th- to code like certainly the popular opinion right now is designers should code yeah at least that's the vocal minority perhaps that's making that that case i'm just yeah. glad it's currently discussion like i don't necessarily agree more with either side i mean i guess i somewhat do because i code as a designer still but yeah i think there's i don't think anyone's like yes you have to design or you have to code um but it makes sense from both sides if you're just better at designing and that's good or or you're a really great copywriter don't spend your time in code right if if code just doesn't make sense to you that's fine like spend your time designing that's totally reasonable no i agree I think the only thing, at least for me, is like, if you can learn it, you can save some money. <laughs> well, you, you did spend all day coding today. I spent all day coding. And <laughs> basically, changed nothing. Yes. So refactoring. I don't know it's not time well spent, but certainly it's. Uh, I think well, one part of it is it's a rewarding experience if you can do it, and then which I'm very bad at. Um, but the second part is certainly like saving money and kind of getting to crank at your own pace, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what situation you're in. I mean, definitely saving money, but you're also up, using up to time. A point, sure. yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, you could also save money by sort of building your own house. <laughs> <laughs> it will you, cost you more in the long run. And do you I, really trust what you built? <laughs> I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, though. So yeah, refactoring a house is pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. A very small house. <laughs> but if you're doing it just to like, spec house. be intellectually curious and learn new things, then I think, you know, I'm all for that. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now anyway. Yeah, and, and it's really, like, fun to accomplish a new thing or build something. Like, I, I used to do some coding in Flash. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it was fun. When you figure yeah. something out, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that actually worked. That's amazing. But, yeah, it just wasn't for me. Okay, so what is your current, like, toolkit or... What are your, some of your favorite tools that you use? Um, we primarily use just Photoshop uh, still. <laughs> um, although the latest update, did you say you knew Charles? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Yep, Charles was the one who told me how oh, to oh, okay. pronounce Wayno. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was here a few weeks ago. So he's um, like a developer. No, he's like a, an advocate for, for yeah, Photoshop. He's, uh, Charles Pearson, he's a cultural anthropologist at Adobe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's an amazing guy. But anyway, uh, uh, Photoshop, the latest update isn't... Like, it's great, the features, but it's just very laggy at the moment. So... Um, I'm hoping it will become better because I, some people here are using Sketch and the new ideas in Photoshop are kind of Sketch-inspired. Mm-hmm. The uh, design spaces? Yeah. Or design space. Uh, and so a lot of that stuff looks like... could Like I've seen... Like when I'm working working with some of these people now here, then I see them working in Sketch and I'm like, holy shit, how, how do you do that so fast? <laughs> um, so I want to... You know, I'd love to switch, but again, I'm just too old. So. <laughs> Hey, and I already great. switched from fireworks a few years ago. I'm still, uh, still, yeah, still, you, you know, dreading that decision. So I don't want to make another move. Like, yeah, Photoshop uh, is, uh, it's so reliable. Like, generally speaking, it's just that's what I count on when I need my shapes to render correctly. That's what I like use for all my icon work, things like that. But yeah, Sketch is perfect for wireframes. There's a lot of um, I use it for a lot of layout stuff. A lot of our clients um, use Sketch exclusively now, so Dropbox, uh, Nike. Sketch, uh, uh, Dropbox has been really vocal about Sketch too. Yeah, it's been really crazy how much they've j- jumped on it. Yeah, they they went all in. I mean, it matches their style as well. Yeah. Um, the yeah medium like it's grew mm-hmm. very popular very fast, but yeah, I'm still Photoshop. Cool. That's great. What are, is that your main tool or do you do any pr- sort of prototyping or other stuff? Um, I don't do it myself, but we have people that work in Envision. Um, I tend to prototype with a developer. So that makes sense. Just doing it in the browser, having it something, you know, you can actually click and uh, it moves and does whatever you're supposed to do and it works like responsively because that's one of the problems that I have with things like Envision is like, it almost requires you to build uh, or design three different things. Like if you want to do like a mobile prototype, that's like a mobile prototype. And then those are all like screenshots of a mobile thing. Mm-hmm. And in different states and you have to like yeah. scroll behind each other. And yeah, I mean, it's a great tool, but it's just, it's very limited, obviously. So mm-hmm. we try and design so that we move to a browser as quickly as possible. So we will design like a desktop um, and then hand it off to a developer. He'll start to prototype it. And then eventually that prototype becomes the, final product and we don't really design any mobile uis or anything like that we yeah that's do you that. design entirely for web or no no we do some some app stuff as well oh but yeah depends obviously on the project but when we're doing web we do it all just based on desktop have a developer like we have very design oriented developers they'll mm-hmm. make it work uh responsively and then we'll sort of work together oh i see okay with them on finalizing details and They'll get it to an 80, 90% place, and then we'll work with them on polishing. Nice. Yeah. Do you see Wayno continuing to grow and scale and becoming a big agency? Or is there a certain size that you feel comfortable and happy with maintaining? Uh, we've been talking about that quite a bit. I think like there's not a lot of places that do amazing work that are bigger than like 20 people, something like that. I mean, that's just a random number. But you know, there's a small number. Beyond that, you, you don't really consistently see quality you have these kind of A and B and C teams that are, you know, anything that's on the website is like the A team. And then under, you know, underneath somewhere, there's like 600 grunts doing something that nobody gets to see. <laughs> and it's just, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be that place. So I think there's 
uh, a number, but I do think that you can get to a place where you maybe have multiple offices. So you have, uh, let's say, 20, 30 people in, in San Francisco and then maybe a similar size in, in, in New York. Uh, and you can do that. You can sort of replicate that a few times where you have good, solid teams in each location that are you know small enough that they can do awesome stuff, but they don't fit into this massive corporation way of working. So would you call Wayno a distributed company then? Nah, well, right now we have like th- three pretty small offices. Right. Um, so I guess so. Um, but I do think that long term we'll probably start to have more because I think, well, A, I think there's, like I was saying, the, you know, diminishing returns on quality uh, as you get bigger sometimes. But B, because I think that we want to be close to the clients. And there's like, I mean, obviously here there's a lot, but there's usually not a lot of, in most cities, there's no, there's not that many clients that you just want to have like, okay, let's have 500 people here. And so when we're working with a client, we'll try and work on site or have them work with us. I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense to just, if you want to grow, just once you've, once you're sort of reached your capacity in a single office, just start a new office. Yeah. Well, of course that opens the whole can of worms of like how to manage a, a distributed company and how to lead that. Or how are you thinking about that? Um, there's no official uh, leadership at the moment. So everybody that's, that's working here owns their own project. And so there's no, I mean, I'm technically the only one that's not uh, on the same level as everybody else. Not in, like an individual contributor? Uh, yeah. So everybody is kind of on the same structural level. There's nobody's, anybody else's boss or nobody reports to anybody else. Um, and so when we set up a project, people will try and have at least two designers on it and they kind of own that project. Um, they'll do design reviews with us, like some of the other members of the team, just to get feedback. They can sort of uh, ignore that if they want. But I think that kind of model lends itself well to like having a few different places of office because the, you know once you've set up, people tend to just be able to manage themselves a lot better than some manager does. Well, I can't help but notice the similarity to the way medium is set up with holacracy and the right. fact that we are in the obvious offices yeah. was yeah. that inspired by them um no I, I was thinking about this for a long time but they are definitely run in in many ways in a similar way where they have the whole holacracy thing which i haven't dug very deep into but it is in, in many ways like that yeah are i mean getting to work next to them and like in the same offices are, are you kind of getting to learn some of their lessons as as you build a self, self-managing team and yeah well yes we've actually I mean, we've stolen some cues from them um you know i just mentioned like we'll, we'll do a design review we're just starting those now and that's sort of almost wholesale lifted from them i when i was working with uh medium on uh, on some things i would join their design review they have one every day almost i think or three or four days a week and so what they do is they they'll have people present and then they go around the room people critique it and then you can sort of take take it or leave it kind of feedback so we just started that off last week with the designers here and then that way you can get the feedback without maybe having the structure um, so I think it's a cool, fun way. I mean, we're still figuring out what's the best way to do it, but it's um, everybody's very excited about that approach. How are you finding people to join the company right now in terms of hiring? Every possible way. <laughs> so we'll do like personal networks. Um, we'll attach little things to like Dribble posts. So, you know, that gets a lot of exposure, posted on Twitter, stuff like that. And then we do get 
a fair amount of just sort of organic applications. Do you have some key things that you're looking for for um, maybe we can focus on designers that are that are wanting to work here? Um, right now, we're very heavily looking for more sort of UX leaning people. That means uh, to me, I, I want people that can like own their own project so from beginning beginning to end but maybe somebody that's more interested in like systems and, and stuff like that rather than just the fancy stuff okay but on a sort of higher level we just t- try and hire nice people uh that's that's, that's the, a pretty good rule <laughs> yeah that's i think that's the main thing and everything else well nice and smart uh and everything else kind of falls into place after pretty that. good combo yeah how do you gauge the smartness is that uh, past work or <laughs> harsh judgment well I, i'm not judging you right now if you <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> well we what we do is uh we try and bring people in to work here on site for a week okay so they'll come we'll just throw them in in the deep end get them on a project like after a few days you pretty much know both a like are they good to work with b are they nice c are they smart like there's a few things you can just automatically take off after like sure. spending a few I mean, anybody can fake an interview mm-hmm. um but most people can't fake like a week actually working in yeah. shipping. Yeah, faking a week and, is and, pretty hard. Yeah, and like just seeing the work in the portfolio isn't really that valuable. Uh, it's much more important just to see how they interact with feedback and how they interact with you know what they do after you've sort of given them some feedback. What's the next round? Is it improving? Are they just you know doing what they're told, or are they sort of listening behind, figuring out the reasons mm-hmm. for? what is being discussed and so on. So there's a few things like that that you can sort of pretty easily pick up on. Are you finding it hard to hire designers right now? Or do you feel like no. there's a large enough market and you get to kind of pick and choose? It's been, once we got it ro- got it rolling, it was surprisingly easy. Um, really? Okay. That we, we've hired um, like six designers in two months. Wow. And That's very good. Um, and they're all really qualified people. Um, we hear a lot about agencies like competing with big companies for like the same design resources right. that that isn't the case you're you're just getting the people you want mostly like we lost a guy <laughs> one guy okay <laughs> but uh well the, the, we're trying to hire he didn't go to a, like a big company though okay actually went to dan petty oh, oh man <laughs> is that gene <laughs> yeah okay um that that's actually the only person that we wanted to hire that went somewhere else okay but we'll get him man you are really trying to get at dan petty this week (laughs) yeah there's some sort of feud going on here yeah so what is the design scene like in all these other countries like you only ever hear about san francisco in a lot of cases Mm -hmm. was there a large community that you were working with or was it just kind of you by yourself pretty much just me by myself i did try and do some outreach of like designers and did a little bit of that in tokyo yeah i didn't really do a really great job of that. <laughs> I think I could have done, like, I, I did go to a lot of cities and spend a lot of time in different places. Um, and looking back, I kind of regret that I didn't reach out more. And yeah, I should have done that. You only mentioned a couple. Like, where, where all did you go? So we were in, uh, in Rio, in Buenos Aires, in Vancouver, in uh, Tokyo, in Barcelona, Portland, that's it yeah iceland what was your favorite spot um tokyo definitely stands out as the most interesting yeah yeah vancouver is like a place that 
people can live. Like that was interesting. Like you kind of you kind of approach this from different levels. I, I wouldn't really want to live, for instance, in Tokyo, but um, it was like the most different and amazing place. Mm-hmm. Vancouver is like, yeah, I can see living here. Portland is the same. I've heard really great things about Iceland. Yeah, I mean it's kind of same as Tokyo. It's like fun to visit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's fair. Uh, I'm always surprised when people actually move there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you don't it, move to Black Sand Beaches. You visit Black yeah, Sand Beaches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why? <laughs> like, How do you feel about the shark meat shots? It's like, um, what is it, aged shark meat, and you put it on top of a shot of oh, some kind of local that's vodka? That's like a tourist thing. Oh, that's a tourist oh, really? thing? Yeah, nobody does that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All my friends who go there take these like pictures of shark meat shots. Oh, it's a prank got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah nobody well i wouldn't say nobody but that's not really you know you don't go to like it's not a family comedy. dinner and then you have like shark meat <laughs> <shots>. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, the traditional shark meat shot uh so what do you get up to when you're not here in the office and um designing well it's been a crazy year and a half so i've been working like 100 hour weeks for Oof. like a year and a half dude <laughs> so i haven't so been doing do much <laughs> Oh, that's but, why you had us come to the office. Yeah. <laughs> ah, gotcha, gotcha. But now that we have more people, I've actually had like I think two weekends in a row where I've had time off. And that's like the first time. That's amazing. <laughs> in years. What uh, do you even do? You're you like, clearly don't live in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, no one has weekends off. Yeah. Well, I got the Sunday off yes, yesterday. What'd you do? Um, there was like a symphony thing. You see that? Uh-uh. Pier 29. Mm-mm. Something like that. It was like a free concert. Oh, wow. Uh, we went there. We have a three-year-old. She didn't like, she liked it for like five minutes and then <laughs> just wanted to walk around. So we didn't stay that long. We have some friends coming over. So uh, I was going <laughs> to, they're coming next week and I was going to be like super prepared. So I went to um, get tickets to Alcatraz. Oh, nice. But they were booked for like a month. Yeah, it takes forever <laughs> to get tickets to Alcatraz. It's such a weird thing. Like, I don't know why that's so popular. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of I was kind of patting myself on the back. Yeah, I'm like, well, like it's like a week. Head is good. All <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, but I, should be so easy. I ended up getting tickets in September. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How long are your friends staying? <laughs> no, no, just I just oh, decided just to get you. for me and my family. Got it. Um, then we went to, uh, yeah, Fismus Wharf. We haven't really done that. It was surprisingly nice. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, think it's I, worth visiting. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I I thought like it was, it was definitely touristy. Yeah, but I we've never really you been were touring to, it. Yeah, <laughs> but and it was just it was fun. Yes, yeah. that's where we went the first time I came out here, and yeah. then this, ever since then we've just avoided it like the plague. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna go back, <laughs> but yeah, I actually quite liked it. So awesome. I don't want to get too dark, but like on the hundred hour week side, doing that for a year and a half. Yeah, I imagine the word burnouts come up in your mind yeah i mean um that's actually why i'm i'm kind of relieved now of transitioning a little bit into more creative direction because i think i've exhausted a little bit of my output um you know i can feel you know some of the stuff that i'm doing might start become repetitious and it's Mm. starting to feel like something else and i kind of you know i need to step back a little bit so I'm, i'm definitely at that point where i couldn't do that any longer it's like that's it. Do you uh, feel burned out or did you just notice yourself getting there and you want to like stop I don't feel really? burned out, but I think it will happen. If you keep, you kept know, going. If I kept going for like six months, I, I'd probably be there. Like You're in the danger zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's coming up. 
um, I don't really recommend it. Like people shouldn't really live like that. But it was something I was prepared to do just while we were building up. Yeah, um, it's pretty tough, but it can yeah. be worth it. Yeah, it, and it and it in my case it's kind of paid off because now I'm at this. Yeah, you guys are place. killing it. <laughs> so we have we, yeah we got nice really great people coming in really happy clients and so it's been worth it. What does your wife do? If I can ask, she's an artist. Oh, cool. How how do you feel about art versus design? What is, what, what is the I, difference? I don't to you? get art. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> That's a what is it? What is it solving? No. Uh, yeah. What's, that? what's the use case? Yeah, um, we've just we've heard this question a lot on Twitter and places like that, and it's it's nice to hear what other people's definitions of the difference is between art and design. Right. I think. Well, if you don't have a client, it's art. Yeah. It's <laughs> performance <laughs> art. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> if nobody's. Yeah, if, if nobody's paying for it. Nobody. Well, if well, no, art, yeah. Well, if nobody's, um, if nobody's telling you what to do, either a client or, um, well, uh, that's that's a very sort of shallow definition. But yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it. If you if you if you're just doing it for yourself, uh, even though you sell it, um, it's probably art. Interesting. You if you're wife, not trying to solve a problem, you're probably an artist. Do you and your wife have this discussion, or do you let her do her thing and she lets you do your thing? Uh, I definitely let we let each other do our own things. Um, we don't talk about it that much anymore. Um, <laughs> I think I, sense I think that, that look is. Just <laughs> <laughs> I think she. Uh, well, we don't agree. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Um, I tend to see things as pretty functional. Okay. So I, I have a very shallow view of art. It's like, like a, it's either beautiful or not. I mean, that's kind of it for me. Um, whereas she'll have much like deeper meaning things behind it is that um, kind of that scandinavian more utilitarian minimalist thing or is it just you in particular i'm probably on the extreme okay like if it's not if it doesn't look good i i kind of not just i don't get it <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of art that doesn't look good for me but you know i i'm glad i'm not an artist <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to and i think it. she's glad she's not a designer so yeah teach their own yeah it's their own how do you feel about your Apple Watch? I, I see you keep checking it. I'm just like, are, are you enjoying having it? It's, uh, it's, I'm really excited about where it's going to be in a few years. Okay. Um, it's still lacking in a lot of ways. It's a beautiful design. It's a huge co- accomplishment. I think the, the actual use case is still be fig- being figured out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of nice touches uh, in there. Actually, my main thing is just the di- digi- digital touch stuff my wife has one. Oh wow uh and so i can sort of tap her or you know send her a little doodle or something and it's <laughs> i mean it's actually surprisingly like there you go you're an intimate <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i've been trying to get my wife to get one but she she's not interested she doesn't see the point yeah they're like what 350 or something yeah cheap ones yeah. yeah i mean it's a hard sell for anybody that's not just in tech or loaded yeah well all the reports <laughs> are saying they like they've sold three million in three months so I read a piece on that today. Did, okay. did you see this where they were saying that it dropped off 90%? Oh, yeah. I saw after, that. Yeah. There was another piece, uh, I think it's from the Macalope. Have you seen the Macalope? No, it, but it sounds great. They make fun of analysts, quote unquote. And uh, they were saying that this was like a company that no one had ever heard of that made this report and it was like salacious so they would get attention. And Right. No one really knows the answer until Apple tells us and I don't think they're going to tell us. So we can watch supply chains as much as we want. Apple's weird. They can get around it. Like I said, I'm I'm most excited about where it's going. Yeah. Not there completely, but nothing is, I guess. Nothing is there. 
Haraldr Thorlifsson. <laughs> His product design. Everything, <laughs> everything is a beta. Everything is a beta. Dude, that's, that's a good title. That is a good title. Well done. <laughs> you need more? <laughs> I got a bunch of these. <laughs> yeah, keep, keep tons of titles. Down, <laughs> just, uh, yeah, just, yeah, anyway. Just talking titles, headlines. Thorlifsonisms. Yeah. Well, before we run out of time, is there anything in the design community or tech world going on right now that you're super excited about? Um, well, so... A lot of companies are hiring you. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's exciting. exciting. Uh, in old design, in, like, especially in web design because of the way uh, of the beast, it's like anything that's new can't really use for a few years. Yeah. Uh, yes. And so... <laughs> I don't know. I'm the, I'm just excited that people are upgrading their browsers. <laughs> <laughs> Such a simple, beautiful answer. Uh, Auto update is a majestic thing. It is, yes. Yeah, and slowly but surely, we're all moving towards something. That is uh, a great answer. I would never expect. That's that. so good. <laughs> I'm just glad people are upgrading their browsers. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a quote by like I think Douglas Adams or somebody who was like talking about design, no, no technology and like everything. It's around when you're born or up until you're 15 years old is um, like you take it for granted. Anything that comes around from 15 to 35 is um, amazing and new. And anything is, that comes around after you're 35 is like decadent and like you, you don't it's get it. It's unnatural or something Unnatural like that. and it's like I, breaking I think the, I know this quote, but yeah, I, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's like it's it's breaking, yeah, breaking the, it's breaking like the human spirit. Um <laughs> You know, or, you know, changing the world to, for the worse. I'm actually past the 35 mark. So uh-huh. I'm just excited that I'm still excited about things. <laughs> <laughs> this is an accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are things that I don't get, but I try and remind myself that I, you know, I used to be young. So I, I'm sure there were things my parents didn't get. Can and you I share just, what one, one of those things is? Uh, Snapchat. <laughs> I don't get it still. I'm, I'm re- I, I really want to get it. I'm um, 25 and I, I also can just not get it. Uh, it's so confusing to me, like the UI and everything, like the UX. Is... Brian, can you explain it to us? You use Snapchat. I use it for consumption, not creation. But uh, I was reading this expose on Spiegel, Evan Spiegel. And the, one of the questions was like, why is the UX and UI so damn confusing? Yeah. And he's like, well, we're designing for a generation of people that don't care. And they're happy to figure it out. Right. And I guess that's true because everyone that uses it has somehow figured it out. Some of the gestures and the colors that they use, I had no idea until I like an article explained it to me. Like, oh, purple means something, pink means something, and everyone listening thinks I'm an idiot now. But those were really confusing <laughs> things. I, I kept getting notifications from the left side, and I was like, I'm just sick of this part. So just make it go. Like it was all from the Snapchat team, and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I have to admit though, which is kind of terrible i haven't even signed up and I, so that probably explains Ooh, why i don't get it from afar <laughs> yeah from afar okay. yeah but i've i have so what i've my experience with it is just picking it up and people trying to explain it to me and i was like i don't, get don't it. care it can be like the little digital touch stuff yeah maybe I but mean, with photo yeah <laughs> i i think uh i'm also you know i'm a pretty slow adopter um you've been burned by the web man yeah i need like if it, if it doesn't have a billion users then you know it's not for me <laughs> not good enough it doesn't yeah. have a billion users man <laughs> you got a high bar man <laughs> once they pass a billion i'll sign up okay perfect good yeah. to know. and they've, then i know they've made it don't even send them anything unless it's got a billion users <laughs> what are they at like a couple hundred million or something i don't know those numbers they're are beating so twitter or something they, they but not they're, they're not beating facebook so whatever man yeah so we're uh we're running out of time 
anything else okay. you'd like to plug before we go? Wayno.com, Wayno.com. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Well, we're nice, for- dude. We've just been talking about it for an hour uh, and you mispronounced it. <laughs> and it's not .com. It's .co. What? what? Yeah. Wayno.co. Yeah. U-E-N-O.co. And we're looking for people. How can they get in touch? Figure it out. There you Ooh. go. That's got to get I those mean, smart people. I'm yeah. looking at smart the homepage nice. right now and it's pretty damn obvious. So <laughs> <laughs> there's only one button in the header. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's the first test. All right. It's a good test. Awesome. Thanks for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for coming in. And that was episode 44. We're done. It was incredible. You can tell he's like working insanely hard. He talked about 100 hour work weeks, which is incredible. He puts out incredible work. He shows incredible work. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, uh, follow us on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Or check out our new podcast network at spec.fm. And you can follow us on Twitter there, at spec.fm. We've teamed up with the amazing podcast developer, T, to help designers and developers level up. It's the best. We actually launched the same day, and we just met each other because we were chasing each other up and down the charts on the tech podcast. It's all those reviews that you guys had made this happen. So you guys putting those reviews up made us run into each other and made this whole thing happen. So if you haven't listened to developer T, check that out jonathan's awesome he's so good and before we go we have two amazing sponsors that we'd like to thank once again first icon finder made this show possible they are the largest source of premium icons on the web any icon you need for any kind of design project icon finder has it they have over 500,000, and they're adding thousands more every month and they have a truly wonderful service called icon finder pro it's just nine bucks a month gives you access to 25 downloads every single month and 70% of that goes straight back to the original icon designers. And you can upgrade that to unlimited, literally unlimited. It's an amazing service. They're supporting this show, making this possible, and making designers' lives easier. Go to iconfinder.com and use the promo code ROBOT, and that'll save you 50% off your first month. Thank you so much to Icon Finder. Our second sponsor is, one last time, Dropbox. They're so great. We use them every single day. I'm I'm literally using them right now while we're recording. Just, sorry, guys. I, I had to be in my file browser. That's just <laughs> how it works. But they sync everything. They store previous versions for you so you can go back. You get version control. Unlike, I mean, Mac doesn't support that by default. PC doesn't support that by default. Eh, some, some apps do. But anyway, they, they give you things you just can't get elsewhere, and they do it right. They let you do things like file requests. They let you do commenting. They let you do file sharing really simply and really easily they're building the best tools for people who need to build things we we couldn't be more appreciative of their support so go to dropbox.com check it out sign up it's free for the basic model definitely if you haven't tried it out which i don't know why you wouldn't have give it a shot thanks once again to dropbox and we'll see you on wednesday with l luna